0: Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and live in our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I am thrilled to be back in your balls this week on a part two of what I shared last week. So if you didn't listen to last week's, Podcast. I'll just give you a quick refresher and then we'll jump right into the episode. Uh, a couple of weeks ago now, I went to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat. It was a meditation. I called it a rave. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that because it was weird, but it was also really amazing. And during that retreat, I had this insight that became a bit of a topic in the end of the that podcast where I had related. ADHD symptoms to an energy center in the body. One of the things that Dr. Joe talks about are energy systems, which are also known as chakras in yoga philosophy. But they're essentially trigger points where the endocrine system and the nervous system intersect with the the chakra or the energy center that I'm going to talk about today. It intersects at the gut. So it's related to the pancreas and the digestive system and also around the adrenals. So this whole digestive system is also connected to our central nervous system, which also has a lot to do with not just the things that we digest in terms of food, but also has to do with the things that we digest in terms of life experience and emotions, right? That's related to the central nervous system and is also related to the gut. There's a lot of science now that talks about that interrelatedness between the gut and the brain. And the gut is also where we create a lot of our hormones that have to do with our mood and our energy and our quality of life. So I share the anatomical and biological piece because I know that for some, talking about energy centers and chakras is a bit of a stretch. And before I dug into this uh, topic, I looked at what kind of research do we have around the chakras? Do we have any research? And there is some, and there's a blog post that accompanies today's episode, and everything that I'm going to reference in today's episode is going to be available in that blog post, along with links to research. So if you are somebody that needs hard science in order to buy into something, then first of all, you're not alone. That is me too. But but I'm also willing to suspend some level of scientific judgment in order to understand and comprehend things that may not necessarily make sense to our Western culture, but have always made sense and are a big part of Eastern culture and Eastern science and an Eastern approach to medicine. So when we can embrace what we know from Western science and medicine and what centuries have proven to be true in Eastern science and medicine, then we have the best of both worlds. And I think that's a great thing. So I wanted to start with that level of context. I also want to say this before we get started. Anything that I share today is not quote unquote going to cure you. Number one, because if we're talking about ADHD here, I don't see that as a dis-ease. It is called a disorder. I think that might be an unfortunate way to frame it, but it's not something that you need to be cured from. You are who you are and you are a perfect whole human being. All of these things are techniques that can enhance your well-being, specifically around those areas that tend to get us hung up as ADHDers. And I'll get into a little bit more of that in a second. But I just wanted to add that layer of context that I don't come at any sort of ADHD discussion with uh, a mindset of, we're broken and we need to learn how to fix it. My mindset is always that we're different. We're square pegs and the rest of the world is built for round holes. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with square pegs and doesn't mean there's anything wrong with round holes. We're just different and we need to bend things in our direction to accommodate us more. So that is the preamble. So now let's dive into the third energy center, otherwise known as the solar plexus Chakra or in Sanskrit is called the Manipura Chakra. The direct translation of the word Manipura in Sanskrit means city of gem. But in terms of the chakra, it refers to a bright gem within us. So when this energy is balanced, we shine bright as our true selves. And I love that, particularly from the standpoint of ADHD, because Only when we truly accept ourselves and our neurodiversity can we shine in a way that is authentic to who we are. So the function of this energy center is around digestion, as I mentioned, because it has to do with the gut and the pancreas and the adrenals. It's also the center of our personal power. And by extension, it also relates to our boundaries. This is where we learn about self-development and how to self-regulate and how to best interact with the world, which again, when it comes to ADHD, there can be some blocks there, right? So let's break it down further, starting with digestion. We know this is obviously related to food, but it's also related to the information that you take in and digest and the energy that you take in and digest. Our digestion is largely an unconscious function, right? We're not thinking about the apple that we ate 30 minutes ago and how we're digesting it, nor are we really thinking about what we're digesting as we scroll through Instagram. So we're not always aware or paying attention to what is coming into our experience or how it's impacting us or how we're taking it in. So it's not surprising then that this is the area where we bring in ideas and we bring in beliefs and try to figure out how to make them work for us. This particular energy center is in development between the ages of two and four, and we start to create our beliefs around the world because this is the time in our life when we're able to match feelings to thoughts, right? Like the previous energy center, which I'm not getting into today, is about feelings, but it's really not about thoughts because as that energy center develops uh, before the age of two, we're not really coherently thinking about things, but we are feeling them. So this is where thoughts and feelings start to solidify into ideas and beliefs, right? And there are six major beliefs that all humans hold. There's a belief around your worthiness, your value, your lovability, your personal power, your deservedness, and your sense of being good or bad. And those are beliefs about yourself and also the world around you, people, ideas, everything. And these beliefs get locked in at that really early age. And those beliefs inform our sense of personal power and boundaries. So when we think about personal power and willpower, that's where we're generating ideas and initiating action and following through on what we start. So again, ding, 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 this is where ADHD comes in. Because if our ideas and beliefs about ourselves and what we're capable of are not strong, then it's going to make it really hard to initiate and follow through on things because we may not believe that we're worthy or valuable or lovable or powerful or deservingness enough to achieve those things. And based on those beliefs, that also then informs our boundaries. And this is another huge connection to the ADHD experience because we are not awesome with boundaries, either energetically, emotionally, or physically. And boundaries are a two-way street, right? It's not just about having good boundaries with other people. It's also about having good boundaries with ourselves. Boundaries are rooted in our sense of self and rooted in those beliefs that I mentioned. The more connected and aware we are of ourselves and how we interact with the world, the more we can see when boundaries are being crossed or where boundaries need to be set. So it's really interesting then to think about those beliefs about ourselves and our worthiness and our lovability and our personal power. When those things are very low, it's very hard to set boundaries and hold them because we revert to things like people-pleasing and taking on other people's energy and making it our own because we may not feel like we're worthy enough. And to that end, one other interesting point that's worth mentioning is that When we talk about energy center balance, that means that uh, an energy center can be uh, underutilized or overutilized, right? So if there can be an imbalance in either way. So when our beliefs are low about ourselves or the people around us, that shows up as an imbalance in terms of a deficiency. So very often that means that we're not able to defend ourselves. We're not able to create good boundaries. We have low self-esteem that could show up in us under-consuming as well because we don't want to take up too much space or we don't feel like we're deserving enough of taking our fair share. Whereas if you're over-indexed in the third energy center, then when we think about those beliefs, that can show up as a sense of entitlement or a self-aggrandizing, like our value and worth and lovability is over-accentuated and therefore We think we deserve all of the things and we become very graspy and controlling and rigid around our boundaries. So I hope that makes sense in terms of how our beliefs about ourselves can have a huge impact on our ability to move through the world with healthy boundaries and clarity of mind and intention to do the things that we want to do in this life and follow through on them, right? Like all of that comes down to our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves. So when I talk about boundaries, I know it can seem harsh, but it's really not. Their boundaries are actually quite loving. And the more we set them with ourselves and the people around us, the more we can trust ourselves as we move through life. Again, that's part of that personal power piece. I have a whole section on boundaries in my Distraction Action program because it's so important for ADHDers, but it's worth saying here again that You probably know if you don't have good boundaries. So it's worth focusing on this work around this energy system and also taking the time to examine your beliefs about yourself and the people around you and the world itself to see if they're serving you and slowing down your digestive process in order to start to build those boundaries. So now let's talk about the center specifically and what it looks like when it's in balance and out of balance. If it's out of balance, it can show up as indigestion and constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, eating disorders, excessive weight gain, ulcers, diabetes, issue with any of your digestive organs like the pancreas, liver, and colon. It can show up as heartburn or even sensitive gums from eating. Emotional signs of an imbalance can look like overanalyzing and overthinking things, anger, irritation, low self-confidence, low Trust in yourself and trust in your abilities and also distrusting the people around you. Insecurity and low self-esteem. Need for continuous validation and approval from others. Unhealthy attachment to others. Rigid and controlling behavior. Self-victimizing mentalities. Lack of direction and motivation. And difficulty setting boundaries. So again, I want to bring in that idea of personal power and willpower. Because when we are able to take initiative and plan a course of action and follow through on it, we are in our own power. We're not looking for validation or external reinforcement or support. We're internally motivated and we're clear on what it is we want to achieve. That doesn't mean we should never look for help or support, but what it does mean is that source of our own creation and what we do in this world is coming from us personally. And I see this a lot in coaching because some clients come to coaching knowing what it is they want to do or having an idea of what they wanna do, and they see their coach as somebody who's going to be in their court and helping them move that process forward. And that's when coaching works really well. But if somebody comes to coaching with an attitude of this is my last ditch effort, like I I need a Hail Mary, so I'm going to hire a coach to offload responsibility of my goals from me to that person. It doesn't work because that's not what coaching is designed to do. When you are ready to do the work yourself, that is when you're going to see the most growth, whether you have a coach or not, or whether you have support in your life or not, it always comes from us first. When we think about that idea of personal power and self-worth, it doesn't mean that when we do something, we're guaranteed a successful outcome because nothing is guaranteed. Actually, that's not true. The one thing that is guaranteed that if we never get started on what it is we want to do, we're guaranteed to fail. Like you can't, Succeed if you don't start. That's a guaranteed failure. But when we're in our personal power and we're willing to try because we want the best for ourselves, and when we are trying in earnest, which means we have the intention to succeed, we're not attached to the outcome, but that's what our intention is. And we're not thinking internally, this is never going to work, this is never going to work, this is never going to work, because we know what happens when we do that. When our attention and our intention is aligned with that energy, no matter what the outcome is, we build trust in ourselves. Trust is built on taking action, not on succeeding. Think about that for a second. If self-trust only came from succeeding, we would never learn to walk or talk. That is personal power. Babies who get up and walk after they fall on their asses five times in a row. That's power. Also, someone who has the awareness to say, let me check my calendar before I commit to you whatever it is you're asking me to do, That is someone who not only has healthy boundaries, but also has a strong sense of personal power. So now let's talk about what it looks like when this third center is balanced. We've got a strong sense of self-confidence and self-worth. We have a clear sense of personal identity and purpose. We feel empowered to take action towards our goals and dreams. Our digestion is strong and our metabolism is healthy. We have a strong sense of inner resilience, and inner strength. Again, that comes back to self-trust. And we're able to make decisions with ease because we have that self-trust. We're willing to take risks and step out of our comfort zone because, again, we have that sense of self-trust and we're not attached to the outcome. We have clarity of mind so that we're aware of all of that. And we have control over emotions, which is self-regulation. Big piece when it comes to ADHD. So That all sounds amazing, but the question is, how do we work on these energy centers to ensure that we are running optimally and that we can enjoy this balanced, centered person? I looked it up (laughs) and I came up with some really interesting ideas, which I'm going to share with you now, but before I do, a couple of quick caveats, okay? As I was collecting these ideas, I was super intentional about suspending any judgment I had around them. That means that when I read some things that, and my first thought was in some cases, that's dumb. I quickly reminded myself that what I may see as insignificant might make perfect sense to someone else. And it might be your perfect solution. So I put my judgy pants aside and I included all of the ideas that I found in my research. The other thing that I want to invite you to do as I go through these ideas is to just pay attention to what feels true to you. A lot of these ideas are not going to be surprises to you. So as I go through them, think about which actions you may casually do already and ask yourself, oh, when I do that thing, how does it make me feel? Does it make me feel good or does it make me feel crappy? <laughs> I think all of these are going to make you feel good. But pay attention to the things that feel most appealing to you. Because that's where your interest is. And as you know, we have an interest driven brain. So always follow your interest first and start bringing them into your life or into your space with the intention for it to help you balance this energy center. So you have improved personal power, improved digestion, and improved boundaries. They may help you accomplish these things directly, or they may help you indirectly by just acting as a fun reminder to continuously bring your attention back to your own power center. So let's get into it then. The third energy center is related to the element of fire, and the color of the center is yellow. So when you think about fire and you think about yellow, think about heat, think about the sun, okay? So a few very obvious things that I will start with is your connection to heat, like being in front of a fire, like a warm fireplace in your house, Or maybe even having candles in your space or meditating on a candle flame or just being outside in the natural sunlight. Any amount of time you can spend in the sun with the sun on your face while wearing sunscreen, of course, is going to go a long way to helping you improve that sense of personal power and digestion. Wearing yellow clothes or surrounding yourself with the color yellow. So maybe bring some yellow flowers into your space or some yellow artwork or a splash of yellow in like your throw pillows or something like that. My girlfriend just painted her nails yellow. So think about how you would enjoy seeing yellow in your space. If that is a color that brings you joy. Personally, yellow is not my favorite color. But when I think about yellow, I think about happy things. I think about my mom because that was her favorite color. So I don't mind having yellow in my environment. And also, there's so many different hues of yellow, right? So Think about a yellow that appeals to you and how you can bring it into your life. Again, either as a a direct sense of energy for that center or just as a reminder to continuously focus on that center. If you're a fan of aromatherapy, you might want to incorporate lemongrass, ginger, rosemary, which are all great for balancing the solar plexus chakra. Also anything with citrus, so grapefruit or orange. If you're familiar with pranayama, these are specific breathing practices that are part of a yoga practice. You may have heard of some intentional breathing practices like alternate nostril breathing, for example. That is a pranayamic practice, but a specific breathing practice for this third energy center is called breath of fire or kabbalabhati. I'll do my best to describe this practice, but I'll also link a video that does a much better job of describing it. Than I can hear verbally. What you're going to do is sit up straight. You can either have your feet sit on the floor, flat on the floor, just sitting on a chair, or you can be in Sukasa, which is just easy sitting cross legged pose. And what you want to do is a rapid breathing in and out. And this stokes your digestive fire. It's essentially doing a repeated snapping of the breath, right? So you're snapping your abdomen in as you breathe out and then you snap your abdomen out as you breathe in and the breaths are shorter and faster and you do it through your nose. So if you're a little boogery, that can get a little messy. If you do that enough, first of all, it clears the mind. Like it will stop all your thoughts. It even um, stops your breathing. Like when you do about 30 of those in a row and you stop all of a sudden your body won't want to breathe right away. It'll take a minute for it to naturally start that process of breathing again. And in that moment of pause, you will feel a profound sense of peace, like your analytical mind will shut up, (laughs) if only for a second. So that's the, the practice of breathing, the pranayama practice that is really helpful. And you can include that, let's say, if you do a morning meditation, You might want to do a few rounds of breath of fire as part of that, like before you do the meditation, because it does calm the mind. Now, in terms of movement, since we're still focused on building internal fire here, you want to think about heat building activity. So yes, we can do running, we could do all kinds of activity, but I want to bring this back specifically to yoga, because obviously that's going to be a very good way of focusing on this uh, energy center. So I'm going to link a few yoga classes I found on YouTube that specifically relate to this energy center. But when you're thinking about yoga, just so um, you have an idea, you want to think about poses that massage the digestive system. Bow pose, where you're laying on your stomach and then you're doing doing like a, a back bend. So you reach your arms behind and grab your ankles and you imagine that you're in a bow. And that massages the your digestive system because it's only your stomach that's on the floor at that point. Other poses are forward fold because again, that folds the body forward and impacts the digestive system. And lots of twisting, which brings a lot of blood to the digestive system and just twists things out. Also think about poses that strengthen the core, like plank pose or reverse plank. And if you think about reverse plank, you just flip your uh, body so it's facing upward as opposed to downward. And your hands and feet are the only thing on the ground, but your body is in a full straight plank. So doing it either way is going to increase core strength and also boat pose as well. And then sun salutations are amazing for heat building because you are moving. It includes core strengths when you're doing the chaturangas and it stimulates the digestive systems when you're doing the forward fold and the downward dogs. So it's a great way to start any yoga practice. And you don't want to do yoga, that's fine. You can just take whatever you want out of the smorgasbord and we'll move along. In terms of meditation, there's lots of options out there that are targeted towards this center specifically. And they often incorporate a specific frequency when uh, you're thinking about background music. So frequency, mantra, and perhaps affirmation. So I'll break those down. I did some research to see what the frequency is related to this chakra. And I got a few different numbers. So I'm not sure what the correct one is, or it may just have several different frequencies. But one of them, for example, is 528. And frequencies is just like a radio, right? Like radios are based on wave frequencies, and so are your chakras. When you have music that is tuned to a specific frequency, you almost feel that music, right? If you were meditating and you were listening to a specific frequency of music, or you might want to meditate on where am I feeling this music. Sometimes you feel it in the solar plexus. So I'll link to a few meditative options that are at that frequency of 528 and maybe a few others, and you can just test them out and see what feels good for you. The mantra associated with the third energy center is RUM and that's R-A-M. So in some of the meditations you might find, you'll hear like a repeated ram. And if you say that word, ram, ram, you will actually feel it in your solar plexus. Every single chakra has a different mantra associated with it, and you can feel it in those centers when you say it. It is very cool. That's something that I will link to as well. And then the third piece around meditation, and also for journaling, are affirmations associated with personal power. And I could give you affirmations, but I think affirmations, if you find them useful at all, are usually best applied when you're using your own words. Like maybe I am powerful. I trust myself to make the right decisions. I trust my gut. I practice loving boundaries. Those particular affirmations sound like something that I would say and are comfortable for me, but you need to come up with your own affirmations. One last thing before I move on from meditation and music. Those are not necessarily one and the same, right? Like you can have a meditation practice that doesn't involve music and you can listen to music that doesn't involve meditation. So there is music that is designed to be at a frequency that you can just play in the background at home. I've always got like yoga music or chill music playing in the background because it doesn't disrupt my attention. It's not like listening to Taylor Swift. And it's chill enough that I feel like I'm getting something from it, but just something that I invite you to explore looking at. Like you might want to Google music for the third chakra or music at the third chakra frequency. See what comes up and see if you like it. If you like it, just have a plane in the background when you're doing your thing. Let's move on. Crystals. These are another option that I got to admit. I've got some crystals uh, in my office here somewhere. I have no idea how to use them. I did get a little tidbit of information when I was doing this research, so I have an idea now of how to use them. And actually, as I'm recording this, it's a full moon tonight. Apparently, when it's a full moon, you're supposed to put your crystals outside to charge them. (laughs) I'm laughing because I know it sounds a little goofy, but that's what you're supposed to do. So the crystals that are related to the third chakra are citrine, tiger's eye, yellow jasper, and amber. And how you would use that, you can actually wear them. I ordered off of Amazon some stones that were put into a bracelet, like really inexpensive, but you can also just get like a small stone. And maybe if you're doing a lying down meditation, you can put it right on that third center, which is just below your navel. So that's how crystals work. And apparently with citrine, I read that you can put that in a glass of water and let it soak for 12 hours and then drink the water. And you can do that every day for up to two weeks of every month. I've never tried it. I'm not even sure that I would try it, but I've thrown it out there in case it sounds interesting to you. Now let's talk about food. And because this energy center is related to digestion, obviously this is going to have an impact on what we eat. The idea here is to keep the digestive fire, known as agony, going strong. So to that end, here's a few tips. First of all, avoid overeating. That means eating slower and paying attention to the signs of getting full. You probably know this, but it takes about 20 minutes for the stomach to signal fullness to the brain. If you're anything like me, it probably takes you less than five minutes to scarf down a meal. And then in 20 minutes, you're like, oh, I'm so full. (laughs) So my invitation to you is to consider how you can extend the amount of time it takes you to eat a meal such that you give yourself uh, enough time for your digestive system to signal that it's actually full. Another thing uh, to avoid is ice water, because it douses the uh, digestive fire. Personally, I've never been one to drink a lot of ice water, so that's not an issue for me. You also want to focus on eating solar plexus-friendly foods, which, surprise, surprise, are all yellow. So ginger, turmeric, cumin, chamomile, sunflower seeds... They say to avoid sugar and processed foods, more yellow food options might be bananas, spaghetti squash, yellow squash, lentils, mangoes, anything that's a real food and is the color yellow is apparently good for this energy center. So at this point, we've covered all of the senses and the inputs to our senses, how we taste, touch, hear, smell, sound, that sort of thing. A few ideas that I do that I think are helpful is journaling on boundaries. Like in my notion setup, I have prompts. What drained me this week? What lifted me up this week? What gave me energy? Where am I holding energy that's not mine? Like when you think about somebody coming into a room and you could sense their crankiness and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, they're mad at me. That's you taking on somebody's energy that is not yours. So I do that a lot. So I have prompts in my day to help me think about that and in my week. And then I've talked about this before, but I'll share it again just in case you're new to hearing about this. Practice your body's language around yes and no. And very quickly, the way you do that, think about a visceral no in your body. Where does that show up? Like maybe it's somebody's going to hurt your child or somebody's going to kick your dog and your immediate reaction is, oh, hell no. Where's that no? in your body. To me, when I think about that, like when I think about a bully, or if I think about something that repels me, like something I don't want to do, something I dread, that energy is in the pit of my stomach. That's where dread is. That's where no is, right? Again, personal power. And then when I think about yes, when I think about do I want to go on more vacations? Yes. Do I want to keep doing what I'm doing from a career perspective? Yes, yes. Double yes. Checky check. All of those yeses, that feeling in my body right now, is up in my chest. It's tingling, and it goes from my upper chest into my neck. Those are my body's language around yes and no. Yours might be somewhat different, but be aware of that, because feelings is the language of the body. And it's very important for you to understand the language of your body. So that's what I've got on this topic. Now, I am, again, not suggesting that if you practice any or all of these, that you are magically going to cure your ADHD because it is not a disease and you are not broken. However, having said that, I think any one of these practices can help you live a healthier and happier life, help you feel calmer and more in control or, quote unquote, in your power. Whether or not you believe in the chakras or the power of yoga to truly transform, you can still benefit from these things because, again, they're going to improve digestion. They're going to improve the functioning of your pancreas and your adrenals. So all of these things are only going to benefit you, whether you're thinking about the third chakra or not. But I will leave you with this one truism if you do want to practice this with the intention of improving the health of your third chakra. Energy flows where attention goes. So with all these practices, I want you to put your attention on that center. I want you to put your attention on your personal power and how you want to elevate this center to be your absolute best, to be in your power, to protect your boundaries, to make better choices, to be able to follow through, to be able to focus and organize, all of those things. Sit with that intention as you do any or all of these practices. And again, all of these will be listed in the blog post, so just check the link in the show notes or whatever app that you are listening to this on. And by the way, if you're listening to this on the Spotify app, then you have the ability to record a message for me. And I would love to know if this stuff resonates with you. And one other thing, if you are leaving a voice message, uh, make sure that it doesn't stop. Jennifer, the voice message you left to me, I got the first 38 seconds of and then it like stopped. So thank you for leaving a voicemail, but I'm not sure what your question actually was because it cut out before it got, to, it got to that far. Thanks again, guys, for listening. And I will be right here next Friday. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.